hi, hello everyone. Welcome to the first podcast in the Global Impact Talk series. I am Rakhi Sahai, Partnership Specialist at UNCDF Financial Health, and I'll be your host today. Global Impact Talk series unpacks complex topics by engaging with stakeholders working to create impact for the last mile. The series delves into some of the most pressing issues shaping our world and today's special focus is on understanding themes surrounding financial health and resilience as both are most important for essentially policymakers and private sector as they both look to address these issues for the low and moderate income segments. Now, this episode of the series is part of UNCDF's engagement with I3Access, the financial health community of practice built in partnership with Access Development Services, Lead Korea, and KPMG. All right, so without further delay, let's dive into today's episode on how research and evidence-based approach is really important as we build measurement framework that helps us better understand the LMI segments, financial health and economic well-being to be able to design better products and services and eventually policies. Just to give a bit of a context and background, you know, in a world where financial challenges can sometimes feel overwhelming, the importance of financial health and resilience cannot be overstated. At the heart of our mission within the community of uh, community for financial health is the belief that every individual, regardless of their economic background, deserves the opportunity to achieve financial well-being. So, you know, imagine a world where individuals have the tools and knowledge to weather financial storms, make uh, informed decisions, and build a more secure future for themselves and, and their near and dear ones. This vision at the core of what we are striving to achieve as part of UNCDF's engagement. One critical aspect of this pursuit is the need to embark on the journey to build measurement tools for financial health suited in the global south. For low and moderate income groups, understanding and tracking financial well-being can make a world of difference just like any one of us. It's more about than just tracking income and expenses. It's about assessing the overall strength of one financial foundation. So with this context, I am delighted to have Sabina Yasmin, Senior Research Fellow at LEAD at Korea University. Sabina has been in the development finance space for over a decade, worked with several agencies, conducted multiple research, and evidence-based work with financial health and resilience. LEAD at Korea University is a consortium partner to UNCDF's efforts in mainstreaming financial health and well-being globally. Sabina is championing this agenda within LEAD and, is, and has specially worked on building the financial health scorecard in particular. The scorecard is a tool for policymakers and private sector to better understand the financial health of LMI segment, like I'd mentioned earlier. Yeah, so welcome, Sabina. Welcome. Uh, we're very delighted to have you as one of our first guests in the Global Impact Talks series. So welcome on board, Sabina. Would, would you want to just kind of quickly introduce yourself to our listeners? Thank you so much for that uh, warm welcome. In fact, it, uh, it is really an honor to be uh, one of the first uh, guests um, in the Global Impact Series. And, and obviously, we are looking forward to more of them. But very quickly, um, just introducing myself, right, Rakhi, you mentioned I am a um, senior research fellow, and I also anchored the financial well-being and social protection research vertical at LEAD at Korea University. 
and over the decade we have been committed to solve deep-rooted complex problems of developing countries with an in-depth understanding of human needs, uh, behavior, motivations, um, and, and, and enabling environments. We have worked extensively with various stakeholders in the space, both from government, non-government, and academic institutions. And obviously, the rich learnings is what has brought uh, us uh, uh, today in uh, being a part of the, uh, this, uh, the community of practices for financial health and contributing to the cause of building more uh, financially healthy and resilient communities as we progress under the COP. Uh, largely, my work in research has been centered uh, around uh, financial risk and resilience, um, understanding the impact of various stresses on, on rural uh, households, you know, on uh, understanding insurance uh, uh, better among the households, both life, non-life, agricultural, non-agricultural, and uh, then, uh, you know, using different uh, tools, so to say, to uh, derive evidence-based uh, outcomes, uh, doing impact evaluations through uh, mixed methods, through uh, both quantitative and qualitative techniques, experiments that we conduct. So yeah, and looking forward to sharing a few of the insights as we move along into the uh, conversation. Great, thanks. Thanks, Sabina. Very, very impressive. And um, we're looking forward to learning from you as, as we speak today on this podcast. So um, let me get into some of, you know, not really questions, but, you know, some kickstarting thoughts that might help our listeners, uh, you know, be able to listen to your thoughts here. So uh, tell us more about this financial health scorecard you are developing and how different it is from some of the other you know, measurement matrix, if I can use that word. Yeah, that's a good question to start with, Rakhi. And um, let's say, um, you know, to for all our listeners as well, uh, when we when you hear the word health, I think the first thing that comes to your mind is the physical health, right? Uh, but as the times have evolved, people have started to understand this circle of health where at the three nodes or three points, we have the physical health, the mental health, and the financial health. And, you know, like all of these three are very strongly correlated. And sometimes, you know, distress in one of them can be driven by or result in a negative outcome in either of them. Right. I mean, what big example then the COVID-19 pandemic itself to highlight the importance of financial health, where we saw that, you know, this big blow that came to the physical health of the people led to deterioration in the other three. And, and then we saw how um, uh, how much uh, the households and individuals um, are vulnerable and need to work on building more resilience. So. Um, you know, while there is uh, not a single agreed definition of financial health, but generally speaking, say a high financial health um, is, is definitely brought forward by a continuous income stream, you know, good savings instrument, you know, um, good investment, you know, taking care of your retirement, uh, etc. that can help you tide over at different stages of your life cycle. But to say, you know, so far, it is also uh, important to highlight here that while financial health 
is something that the developed countries have been working on a lot for quite some time, but it is still a relatively new concept in other parts of the world. So to say the, the, the part of the world that we all come from, the low and uh, moderate income uh, countries, you know, um, and therefore, you know, the existing um, uh, measurement tools were mostly developed and tested in these developed economies uh, and may not be quite appropriate to measure financial health of poorer economies with substantial differences in their social con uh, construct, economic conditions, the cultural constructs, etc. right? And these social cultural parameters often impact the financial behavior of individuals and therefore give a skewed understanding and implication for financial health of these households. So therefore, I, there was a strong need felt to kind of develop a, a robust mechanism or so to say, you know, just to initiate the entire practice of measuring financial health, like you do measure or, you know, uh, have surveys for your physical health, you know, the health service, et cetera. So that, uh, you know, with the existing tools that have been used in the developed economies, we want to tailor them and adapt them for the, um, you know, underdeveloped low income countries. And within that, there is a lot of sort of variations in the different segments of population. Um, you know, there are differences between different genders. So, you know, encompassing all of these differences, what would be the best way to measure financial health um, with the kind of data that we can possibly gather from these uh, population segments, you know? So, uh, you know, so I mean, there could be, there are different dimensions of financial health that we look into, but we move beyond just like inclusion because the world has somehow almost uh, close the gap of or have been successful to considerably close the gap of uh, uh, inclusion so to say you know and see how we can um, you know use the different dimensions of financial health and expand it to to from you know different dimensions uh, different concepts of saving borrowing uh, debt and uh, repayment behaviors to financial control, to financial decision-making, financial planning, et cetera, to be included into the, not just the definition, but also the measurement technique. Great, excellent, thank you. And I think uh, I totally resonate with some of the points, Sabina, that you mentioned, you know, that the analogy that you drew uh, between the the importance of physical health and financial health, I think, uh, and and also the the entire COVID experience has kind of you know further brought this uh, right on our face to you know for all of us to understand the importance of it. That how do we kind of look at building more you know resilience around some of these shocks for which we are certainly not prepared. And um, I think, uh, you know, the point you mentioned about, you know, going beyond inclusion is certainly something that, I mean, for, from UNCDS perspective, we are looking at financial health through that dimension, that how do we go beyond the binary understanding of impact by looking at access and usage, but, uh, you know, going to a, a more outcome-based uh, approach, look at, you know, financial uh, resilience, security, control, and freedom. Very, very interesting point, Sabina. I'm just curious to 
also understand you you mentioned about the the scorecard in terms of you know its robustness and its applicability uh, what were uh, some of the challenges uh, possibly when you were trying to conceptualize it or uh, maybe when you were trying to execute it, I realized that you've done, uh, you know, a primary data collection uh, with uh, within the gig economy space as part of your pilot. So what were some of your key challenges that you would want to kind of mention for folks who who might be thinking of kind of, you know, looking at this piece of work? Yeah, interesting question, Raku, because... Uh... Well, yes, uh, that was a lot of sweat and blood that went into. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I might just like put few words and tell you this today, but it took months and months uh, of, of of continuous consultations, etc. But just to let you understand, you know, I mean, like you see, um, low and moderate income individuals frequently experience financial stress and anxiety, right? And both of which have an impact on person's quality of life and overall sense of fulfillment in life. Um, and, you know, but but I think with the exposed vulnerability of the COVID-19 pandemic, it helped us because people do, did uh, understand uh, the vulnerability and the resultant impact in their financial health uh, very, very clearly from this experience. Um, in no way I'm trying to say that the pandemic was good <laughs> or it did uh, positively affect anything. But anyways, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, uh, through all of these experiences of the households, the household's understanding of spend the spending patterns have shifted away from items that were previously not considered necessities to things that have been considered necessities now, right? Or, you know, like uh, the, uh, the problems with when you discuss about the household's continuous stream of economic security through income and in the absence of formal work contract with uh, you know we the, the population faces a lot of irregularities that leads to you know payment delays um or you know uh, uh them receiving deferred salaries and then inability to sort of repay debts etc um and then uh from the uh, the other perspective was to like you know how do you sort of uh, try to do this exercise where you are trying to capture all the behavioral as well as outcomes uh, related to financial health, right? So I think uh, from the scratch, it was to come down to kind of uh, 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 to start with actually on uh, the uh, agreed definition of financial health that would be applicable for the study, right? And I think we derived an, um, a lot of inspiration and, and adopted the UNSCGA's definition of financial health. And next was like, you know, what are the uh, what are the questions we ask and how long should these questions be? Because uh, from the literature that is there, Rakhi, and you already like have also contributed to the literature. Uh, so, you know, like the questions uh, to understand financial health range anywhere from nine to 90, you know? Um, yeah. I think it was really, really challenging to understand what are these key questions under each of these pillars that we have, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, frozen down to, and then, then the subsequent uh, indicators and sub indicators. Correct. So, how do we sort of select these questions that uh, adequately is able to capture the financial outcomes and behavior? And I'm hoping like we have done a good job at it now, but I know it's like a work in progress. 
and then like another challenge is was to sort of unroll it and uh, um, amongst different population segments and stakeholders who we went uh, we approached uh, in the data collection process, we um, just to give you a sense that we have uh, collected data from around 500 and uh, approximately 550 individuals, and but we focus more on the informal sector economy because we know that is one of the largest sector, uh, uh, you know, that is being uh, uh, that is growing, you know, in leaps and bounds in all of the developing countries and is going to be a major. Uh, percentage of the total workforce. Um, so that's why, like, you know, like we started the exercise through in person survey, and like from there, I think the whole, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 process of what would be uh, the best method to sort of go ahead and derive this composite score that we are developing, right? But we do understand that it is important as the first in itself exercise for the exercise to be easy, uh, to be kept very simple so that it is easily replicated by anybody who's trying to use the tool. It's easily understood by anybody who's trying to uh, do the tool, you know, and uh, not just about um, in, in the perspective about different stakeholders but also we'll say individually i want to take take the test i want to use the scorecard to understand my own financial health right so how do i navigate that you know and how simply i can understand by what the score is going to tell me is the first um, step and obviously through this learning process and now like the scorecard uh, online scorecard uh, being uh, alive being live we are a you know collect uh, looking to an inflow of a good data that is going to come in and going uh, going to help us to improve uh, the measurement techniques better you know so let's say uh, here we are and uh, uh, we're looking forward to developing more robust techniques of developing this amidst all the challenges and constraints that um, uh, that we have come overcome so far uh, but also the new challenges that you know the online data is going to uh, uh, the online data collection is going to bring forward or you know um things that we have to encounter in the process yeah great thanks sabina i just a follow up question to this one um you know it might be useful for our listeners to also get some insights in terms of you know what kind of indicators or what kind of questions uh, you know did you just to get give an idea, you know, what was the 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 spread of the indicators that you used as part of building the questionnaire, um, and you know, what were some of the key questions that you feel were really really important while you were building this questionnaire, um, so essentially the scorecard. Uh Yes, Rakhi. So just to let you know that we have six broad components and under the financial health. Uh, score um uh, they basically start from say you know uh, savings behavior um then spending then uh, borrowing and then we have financial resilience financial decision making and financial planning so these are the six broad components of the financial health scorecard uh, and under these we have both outcome and behavior based questions. For example, uh, it could be anywhere, say for savings, we could, we, we ask questions like, you know, how frequently is an individual able to save, you know, what part of the income are they able to save, right? Um, 
And then, you know, um, uh, uh, say for spending, we know what part of their income is spent and how the, how the split has been, whether it's like 50% uh, uh, of your income or, you know, you spend less than half of your income, more than half of your income, you know, uh, obviously implying potentially your savings ability as well, right? Uh, so, and then what we do is we assign uh, uh, scores to these uh, responses, uh, which uh, which is like, you know, um, derived heavily on the, what the literature naturally suggests should be the ideal savings or expenditure or borrowing uh, and repayment behavior, you know, or financial planning, planning behavior. For example, in financial planning component, we ask questions on whether they maintain the budget, um, you know, uh, maintain a budget, you know, and uh, whether they are able to plan, um, uh, you know, and then um, how frequently do they, or whether it's a mental, even if it's like a mental calculation that they do, because we know in, in low developed, low income country, LMICs, actually people do not have the habit of maintaining ledgers, right? Or going to, uh, uh, to a, a designated financial advisor to seek guidance, right? So, I mean, keeping all of the like cultural and social context, the questions are centered around, uh, you know, the behavioral, behavior, financial behavior and outcome based. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Sabina. Um, great. So my next, uh, uh, you know, question to you is that, you know, as you and CDF, uh, you know, our two key stakeholders are policymakers and private sector with whom we engage globally. Right. So um, how do you see the benefit uh, of, of this financial health scorecard to, you know, to both of these stakeholders of ours? It will be good for you, for, for our listeners to know that this is the most asked question, you know, like, why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why and for whom are you doing it? Who's going to benefit out of this? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, yeah, I'm happy to sort of like, you know, re-emphasize it because I guess like at at this point, it becomes important for people to also understand uh, how this is going to serve them and their sort of vision, you know, what they have for uh, both at the macro perspective and the micro perspective, you know. So let me just start, you know, um, from, from the individual, right? So me as a customer, if I take this uh, test and do the scorecard, you know, for me, it's like individual and then how the entire society benefits, obviously, you know, and then then obviously the, the private sector players, the public sector players, you know, all of them uh, come into the picture. So, you know, uh, so the, the holistic measurement uh, uh, of financial health will help the consumers A, to identify and understand their own financial well-being, uh, which they have exhibited through their choices and behavior. Uh, you know, they, the scorecard can then uh, serve to support the design of financial health centric policies and products that improve financial well-being of the population um, particularly i think for the dis, you know decent differentiated segments such as the women youth migrants um, and here it's not just the individuals but also i think you know enterprises you know sh i'm sure the scorecard can be adapted to to business enterprises as well right and then, you know, like uh, the um, you know, more marginalized sections, you know, like the gig workers and the ultra poor that we are interested in, correct? 
and then obviously we 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 strongly believe that consequently this will improve the financial behavior and financial outcomes by targeting the gaps in savings uh, uptake of credit insurance and other opportunities the opportunities to improve resilience among the households uh, b now the financial health scorecard uh, in the context of the target population can be of particular value to the policymakers and financial service providers uh, since it can enable the stakeholders to assess the target population's financial health you know design and implement uh, context specific policies and monitor improvements to it um, the assessment can also be used to monitor policy efficacy and uh, you know propose uh, targets for specialized policy interventions um, and you know but but uh, you know uh, for example i know um, say as a use case um, you know, with with the great digital revolution we know that you know, people's participation in the digital economy or the platform economy is increasing by leaps and bounds. And, you know, um, uh, so platforms have been increasingly becoming concerned on how to, uh, in, you know, enable more participation um, in these platform economy for both the men and the women, as well as like, you know, um, uh, you know, go beyond just employing them and think about their well-being and welfare by looking at what could be constraining factors for them, you know, because I know about certain platforms who, who understand that the constraint of labor force participation is probably people not being able to buy assets uh, that relate to mobility or participation in that, uh, in the, in the digital big platform, you know, where there's uh, whether it is the mobility platforms or, you know, it's service platforms. And what they do is, you know, they tie up with some, um, um, uh, you know, asset uh, management uh, uh, as well as, sorry, not asset management, but maybe, you know, credit facilitators and uh, credit suppliers onboard them into the platform and make it so easy for people to sort of access credits so that it enables them to participate into the in the economy that was the starting point and then you know i also know about platforms that have moved from you know uh giving small you know mobility loans to to its to its uh, um employees to then thinking about you know insurance is also important you know so let me also onboard some insurance partner and then see how I can give insurance to the to my to my uh, workforce, you know, which is which is, I think, uh, an amazing thought, you know, and of leads to overall welfare of the community, you know, but uh, and then obviously the, the policymakers at large will have this uh, uh, better understanding of where do we stand with the financial health of the population. And I want to re-emphasize, you know, that the financial health is a very dynamic concept. So it is not something that you do as, as a one-time exercise because human condition itself changes over time. Uh, a, a financial healthy person at uh, time X, uh, two years down the lane, uh, if takes care of certain aspects of the financial behavior can uh, have a good financial health and financial resilience, but it may very well deteriorate due to external factors as well, right? So, I mean, it becomes important for us to study financial 
uh, health over uh, and keep doing this exercise like we do for other kind of surveys, you know, and study financial health over time so that policymakers can also understand, you know, um, uh, what are these different interventions or policy support that is required to improve financial health of the uh, of uh, and and the, uh, of the population, you know, and um, you know, tailored uh, um, policies can be made, tailored solutions can be provided accordingly. But as a first uh, step, perhaps one can uh, gauge if, if one is moving the needle of financial health by just measuring it, right? Therefore, we just re-emphasize people that, you know, um, uh, we are attempting to devise a scorecard. We are making it very simple and holistic to measure financial health. Please take it up, you know, please use it. Please understand how and where you can help and how we can help transform very healthy uh, population, not just by the physical and mental health, but also financial health, which as I said in the beginning, is all uh, related very, clo very closely. Great. Thanks, Sabina. I think, uh, you know, the, the other thought that comes to my mind is that there is also a need for both our policymakers and private sector to kind of converge at some level, you know, and, and I think uh, the scorecard could be one of those right. that might help, uh, you know, both our stakeholders to kind of, you know, uh, right. use the scorecard and kind of understand and also look at how can, you know, more evidence-based sharing can happen between these two stakeholders and, you know, look at a possible convergence. Thank you, uh, Sabina. I think this is very, very useful thoughts. Uh, I think um, I'm, I'm curious to now understand that, you know, uh, the, the current scorecard, you know, how, what is the level of customization that uh, organizations uh, can do globally in order to kind of, uh, use the scorecard across different segments and, you know, demographics and regions of the world, because, uh, you know, the scorecard, the way that, that you've made, uh, and, and you very rightly said that it is, it is made in a manner that it, it should be easily replicated. Replicability is something which is, you know, which was kind of, uh, which was very central when you were designing the scorecard. So how do you see it getting used across different markets? And, you know, what is the level of customization that one might need to do in order to execute it on the ground? Uh, yeah, very true, Rakhi. For example, you know, like, as I mentioned, I think at different points in our conversation that, uh, uh, you know, there can be wide variation and diversity among the different population segments that we are measuring in this low and middle income uh, uh, LMIC countries, right? Because say in the, in this itself, we can have low income households, middle income households and high income households. And among there, there can be gender differences, there can be difference between formal and informal sector, right? And these differences might arise from both the behavioral aspects, such as the frequency of savings, access to savings, credit, insurance, financial planning, decision making, credit behavior, etc. Right. So there is in fact, um, in fact, quite a bit of like diversity in the in the population as well as the conditions uh, among um, uh, of these populations right so what we are trying to do is we are trying but but the, as i said the basic definition of financial health though it's over evolving um, is largely you know is under the balance understanding amongst these previous six indicators that i mentioned 
uh, earlier, you know, yeah. and therefore, you know, so so I think the uh, while we try to customize it across different segments, the idea or notion of financial health does not vary much if you change from a man to woman. Yes, uh, the weightage that you may assign to different indicators might vary. Correct. Um, and and accordingly, with the good understanding and deeper understandings um, of, of the researchers and people working in the academia, uh, can from time to time contribute to how to sort of curate it to to better understand the financial health. For example, uh, I know there have been few studies, and there has been like growing conversation about what resilience means. Is it like you know the ability to just um, um, you know, raise emergency funds, or is it like you know, a pe uh, people able to uh, being able to um, think about their long term uh, well being by saving enough for their retirement, etc. Right. Um, so I mean, like uh, things like this. Um, uh, so what I'm trying to say is basically the questions can be curated as well, right? Uh, based on what your understanding of a particular terminology is and then the overall scoring as based on the different components where do you for example if you if you if you feel, feel like financial um, decision making uh, financial planning is uh, which can be obviously uh, you know der um, drive through evidence uh, that has been already gathered or some theoretical uh, premises that uh, tells you uh, that you know this particular indicator needs to be given more weightage so i think the uh, the scorecard can be you know uh, adapted that way um, and as i said the scorecard is is developed as a modular structure which can be applied in different markets across asia africa south africa you know as a multi-dimensional concept uh, agnostic to financial goals and choices that captures the overall financial outcomes and allows comparisons across individuals and groups, right? Um, so therefore, I think there is quite a bit of flexibility around, you know, let's say, even expanding the dimensions of financial health score that we mentioned and adding a new dimension there, you know, um, or a new component there. So that's, that's, that's absolutely uh, a very flexible tool. One has to sort of give a little robust thought on how one wants to go ahead in, in defining them and measuring these dimensions and are able to uh, to get sufficient data because we know that you know data is one prime challenge in in, in our countries you know because uh, we lack data we lack sufficient quality good quality data so given all of these resources i'm sure like we will be able to you know take care of all the nuances that arise from the diversity of the different segments that we are trying to measure uh, through this scorecard. I hope that answers your question, Rafi. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks, Savina. Definitely, it's a, you know, it, it does answer. And that, you know, kind of leads to my uh, next and possibly the last question very smoothly that, you know, building the scorecard is something which is, uh, you know, the way it is structured right now, it is going to enable stakeholders and organizations and individuals to better understand their you know, financial score, 
Okay, that where do I stand, right? And and eventually it is going to inform the policymakers and private sector to look at designing better products and services that are suited to, you know, kind of address some of the gaps uh, that possibly the person must be, you know, kind of witnessing as part of, uh, you know, once they have got, they have taken this um, questionnaire. How do you see, Sabina, that, you know, this work of ours fitting into the broader piece of financial health measurement piece. Certainly, the, the way that we are looking at that it's, um, you know, building a measurement framework is a journey, right? And, and the scorecard is possibly the first step for us, right? right. How do you see this journey uh, going forward? In itself is a, a big addition to the rich uh, pool of data that we are creating globally, right? on uh, the different financial health uh, dimensions and indicators. Uh, B is like, you know, there is, there is no one size fits all answer to improving the financial health score. Right. Um, and however, there are a few things you can do to start improving your score and ultimately make your finances easier to manage, correct? For example, like it could be to create a budget uh, and to stick to it, to create a savings plan, correct? Uh, to take care of your expenditures, you know? Um, and there are many benefits in knowing your financial health score. Um, this, I think, and UNCDF has been championing the cause and has done quite a bit of work in different, uh, I, I, I mean, globally, right? Um, and I think like through this exercise, we add to the existing uh, understanding and, and definition of financial health, uh, as well as pave way for more uh, sort of like curated discussions on the understanding of financial health to start with, right? Um, look back and see like, you know, um, these measurement tools, um, as I mentioned, you know, like the developed economies have uh, the privilege of having good historical data uh, that have fed into some of these measurement tools, you know, Rakhi, you know, like, uh, Financial Health Network uh, has done emerging has has done considerable work. The Australian Developmental Bank, etc., you know, come up with regular financial measurement of financial health um, for their population, right? But <clears throat> so to say, as in like you know, but as I said, uh, with populations that lack sort of like a credit history, you know, a spending history, a financial transaction history. Um, which has where we have just overcome exclusion and uh, sorry, yeah, overcome exclusion and have gone beyond access to usages, right? Usage. Um, and uh, how uh, we could possibly tap in all of this information and, you know, better work on models where we are able to, to assess the financial health by just not knowing the credit score of a particular person, right? Because, you know, like not everybody has a credit score. Uh, here and not everybody has uh, even access to credit in certain places but uh, you know overcoming all of those challenges how do we sort of come up with a score and you know contribute to the existing literature data as well as like the theoretical part of it is is how we believe it is going to fit into the uh, global agenda of you know making more inclusive uh, economy by inclusive finance that is what uh, I think uh, the larger picture is, Rakhi, you know. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Sabina. 
I think uh, very interesting, Sabina. I think uh, uh, for me personally, it's it's been a great learning experience uh, while talking to you. And I would like to believe our listeners, must, you know, the listeners also must have had a good time kind of, you know, getting deeper insights on this uh, product that you've built as part of our effort to mainstream financial health. So with this, you know, with this, we come to an end of this episode. Thank you so much, Sabina, for your time and your effort in, you know, helping us build a stronger narrative on mainstreaming financial health and well-being. Um, thank you to our listeners, and we hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Please reach out to us, uh, you know, through comments, feedbacks, and uh, would encourage everyone to uh, please share topics that you would like the Global Impact uh, Talk series to feature in the future. Thank you. Thank you.